Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. This prophecy even extends beyond what we know as the first coming of the Lord. So as at the first coming of the Lord, he comes as the shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. And now here he's looking out into the future when he establishes them once again in the land. And that's where things go largely from here. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian resumes his teaching on Ezekiel chapters 29 through 36. Now here's Pastor Brian. He's talking about how how the children are saying, um, our parents ate the sour grapes and our teeth are on edge. And the Lord says, no, your problems are not because of your parents. Your problems are, you've created your own problems. In other words, it's what God is saying. And then he talks about the, the wicked man who turns from his wicked ways and pursues righteousness and how God's gonna forgive him and he's gonna restore him and he's gonna bless him. But then he talks about the righteous man who turns from his righteous ways and turns to wickedness and God is going to judge that person. So chapter 33 is just almost a word-for-word repeat of that uh, portion where God had spoken those things to Ezekiel. So there's no need for us to uh, revisit those. But at the, the end of the chapter, there is something that is interesting. In verse 30 of chapter 33, Listen to what God says to Ezekiel. He says, as for you, son of man, your people are talking together about you by the walls and at the doors of the housing, saying to each other, come and hear the message that has come from the Lord. My people come to you as they usually do and sit before you to hear your words. So this is what they do. They come before Ezekiel to hear his words but they do not put them into practice. Their mouths speak of love, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them, you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well, for they hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. So the Lord just wants Ezekiel to know what's really going on in the hearts and minds of the people because people are coming to listen to what he says. And, you know, if you're a preacher like Ezekiel was, you've got a crowd of people and you're preaching, you're thinking, all right, man, God's working here. <laughs> you're, you're, you're hoping that this is getting through and we're going to see a breakthrough and we're going to see a change. And the Lord says to Ezekiel, that's not happening. Don't kid yourself. The people are coming and listening, but it's, you're entertaining to them. They find this entertaining. This is interesting. This is, well, this is fascinating stuff that you're saying, Ezekiel. But there was nothing in their hearts that was changing. And, you know, this is, this is something that can happen. 
I think of back in um, American history, I think of back at the time of, uh, you know, the kind of the revolutionary, pre-revolutionary period, you know, a very famous person in American history is Benjamin Franklin. And a very famous preacher at the time was a man named George Whitfield. And George Whitfield was an amazing orator. He, he was phenomenal. He had such eloquence and he had such power in his speech. And actually, when he was in England, he would preach to crowds of 10, 20,000 people back in the days before there was amplification and all that. So anyway, he's just this, just this just amazing communicator. And Benjamin Franklin was often seen in the crowd listening to Whitfield. But he never responded to the message. But when he was asked by certain people, you know, so what are you doing here? I mean, do, do you believe what he's saying? And at one, on, on one occasion, he was asked, do you believe Whitfield's message? And Franklin's response was no, but he does. That's why I come to listen to him. So he was impressed with his ability to communicate. He was impressed with his deep conviction and passion, but he never found a place in his own heart for the gospel. So this kind of thing it can happen. And, you know, I, I've experienced this over the years with people who, um, you know, this is interesting around the subject of Bible prophecy. I've talked to so many people over the years who are so interested in Bible prophecy Man, they study it and they know about it and they, they want to know like, hey, what's happening next? You know, where's the Antichrist? Is he coming yet? Or, uh, wow, what's going on? You know, and they've got all of these things that they've heard about, looked into. And, you know, in the end, it's like, well, well what about you and your relationship with Jesus? Oh, well, that, you know, I'm not really interested in that. But boy, this stuff is fascinating. So there's a, there's a danger that we can become enamored with a style or with uh, you know, maybe, maybe the content or the way people uh, say things, their communicative skills and so forth, but actually just, it never has any impact. That's what was happening in Ezekiel's day. And so the Lord goes on and he says, concerning the words of Ezekiel, he said, when all this comes true, everything that he's been telling them, and it surely will come true, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. So they will know when the Egyptians are defeated and there's no rescue or deliverance coming. It's just like Jeremiah said, there's 70 years of captivity they're going into. It's just like Ezekiel said, they will know ultimately that a prophet has been among them. Now, chapter 34, chapter 34 now moves into God's addressing the, the people who were in many ways responsible for the condition of the nation. And it's the shepherds. So chapter 34, verse one, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. 
Should not shepherds take care of the flock? Now, the shepherds of Israel would have been the king, of course. Uh, It would have been the priest. And it would have been others. There were others that claimed to be prophets, but they proved over and over again to be false prophets. But they put themselves forth as spiritual leaders. So, So that's who is being addressed here. Those who... The king, of course, and the priest were appointed by God to shepherd the people. But they did not shepherd God's people. They took advantage of God's people. And basically, they lived for themselves. And they neglected the people of God. And, you know, we've read over and over again about the... uh, the negligent priest and the fact that the priest would often uh, lead people into sin, into idolatry and things of that nature. They uh, did not faithfully teach God's word to God's people. Uh, maybe you remember back in the, um, the stories of Josiah. Josiah was the king who was a contemporary of Jeremiah and um, And during Josiah's reign, they discovered the book of the law that had been lost for decades. Nobody had even seen uh, a copy of the biblical text. It was buried somewhere in the temple under some rubble. So just a complete negligence on the part of the shepherds. And so chapter 34 is God pronouncing a judgment on the shepherds of Israel. But then he's also speaking about how he is the true shepherd. And think about the words of Jesus for a moment in John chapter 10. John chapter 10 is all about Jesus presenting himself as the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Now, when we think of... um, the Lord is my shepherd, you know, automatically Psalm 23 comes to most people's minds if you have some Bible knowledge, right? And when Jesus said to the people there in Jerusalem at the time, when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, they would have thought certainly of Psalm 23, but they probably, and especially the leaders, they would have thought of Ezekiel 34, Because although Psalm 23, of course, says the Lord is my shepherd and then goes on to describe what God does as a shepherd, chapter 34 is all about how God is going to remove these faithless shepherds and he will become the shepherd. So I can imagine when Jesus is speaking these words about being the good shepherd and he's speaking it in the hearing of the false teachers, the false shepherds of his own generation. I'm sure that some of them were getting the point of what he was making, the point that he was making there. So look at verse 11 of chapter 34. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock, 
When he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on the day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel. In the ravines and in all the settlements in the land, I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land and they will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. Listen to verse 15. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Wow, and isn't that, I mean, those are some of the things that Jesus said, recorded in the 10th chapter of John's gospel. And remember, as he's speaking, he's speaking to, again, the religious leaders who were basically the false shepherds of the day. And they were complaining like, you know, we don't know what you're talking about. What, what, what is all of this stuff? We, you know, we, we don't, we don't get it. And Jesus says, of course you don't get it because you're not my sheep. Because my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. My father who gave them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them from my father's hand. I and my father are one and the false shepherds then picked up stones to stone him. So this is like, this is being lived out. Ezekiel 34 is being lived out in John chapter 10 where the Lord himself is there contending with these false shepherds. Um. Just a couple more verses here in uh, chapter 34. Look at verse 22. He says, I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. So here, I mean, you literally have um, a reference to the Lord Jesus. My servant David is, of course, a reference to Jesus. Remember in the New Testament, Jesus, on many occasions, he's referred to as the son of David. And so he's going to come. And so here, God, we can understand it as God the Father is speaking about shepherding the people and he will shepherd them through his servant David, who of course would be God the Son, the Lord Jesus. So he goes on, he says, I will make a covenant of peace with them, verse 25, and rid the land of savage beast so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forest in safety and I will make them and the places surrounding my hill a blessing. 
I will send down showers and season and so forth. And so, uh, of course, this prophecy even extends beyond what we know as the first coming of the Lord. So as the fir- at the first coming of the Lord, the, he comes as the, the shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. And now here he's looking out into the future when he establishes them once again in the land. And that's where things go largely from here. So uh, chapter 35, again, is a chapter that we don't need to go into any detail in because it is uh, a chapter that refers to Edom, the Edomites. We talked about them a little bit before, Mount Seir. You know, those people I mentioned how the modern day country is Jordan, but back in biblical times where Jordan is today, you had uh, Ammon, uh, Moab, and Edom. And so this is a, a prophecy against the Edomites, and we pointed out how the Edomites no longer are a people. Uh, Herod, as you, maybe you remember, we mentioned that Herod was kind of the, the last, at least anybody of prominence, Herod, Herod was the last of the Edomites. He was an Idumean. So the whole 35th chapter is a prophecy against Edom. So that brings us to chapter 36. And so I'm going to kind of go a little more, you know, word for word here, just so we connect all of this, because this is going to lead us into the next few chapters. And now this is where the prophecy begins to speak about the future blessing. So the first 24 chapters of Ezekiel are just a a rehearsing over and over again of the judgments that are coming and the reasons for the judgments that are coming. And then from there you have the judgments on the various nations. So we saw the judgment upon you know some of those different nations that were mentioned. We looked more specifically at the judgment of Tyre, and we talked about chapter twenty-eight. You know the king of Tyre, who we realize is actually uh, the satanic power behind that kingdom, and then as we've seen the judgment of Egypt, the judgment of Edom. And now once you hit chapter 36, you now get into the final phase of the book where Ezekiel is telling the nation that there are better days ahead, that there actually is a future for them, that God will fulfill his promises to them. And so Let's look at chapter 36. So son of man, prophesy to the mountains of Israel and say, mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. The enemy said of you, aha, the ancient heights have become our possession. Therefore prophesy and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, because they ravaged and crushed you from every side so that you became the possession of the rest of the nations and the object of people's malicious talk and slander. Therefore, mountains of Israel, hear the word of the sovereign Lord. 
This is what the sovereign Lord says to the mountains and hills, to the ravines and valleys, to the desolate ruins and the deserted towns that have been plundered and ridiculed by the rest of the nations around you. This is what the sovereign Lord says in my burning zeal, I have spoken against the rest of the nations and against all Edom for with glee and with malice in their hearts, they made my land their own possession so that they might plunder its pasture land. Therefore, prophesy concerning the land of Israel and say to the mountains and hills, to the ravines and valleys, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I speak in my jealous wrath because you have suffered the scorn of the nations. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I swear with uplifted hand that the nations around you will also suffer scorn. But you, mountains of Israel, will produce branches and fruit for my people Israel, for they will soon come home. I am concerned for you and will look on you with favor. You will be plowed and sown, and I will cause many people to live on you. Yes, all of Israel. The towns will be inhabited and the ruins will be rebuilt. Now stop right there for a second. So this is a prophecy, and there are many places in the prophets where you will have a prophecy that has a near fulfillment and a distant fulfillment. Probably the, the one that's the most blatant is uh, Isaiah 7.14. So Isaiah 7, 14 says, Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. A virgin will conceive and bear a son. So this is a prophecy of the virgin birth, and Matthew tells us that that's exactly what it is. In Matthew chapter 1, when he talks about the virgin birth of Jesus, he said this happened to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah said. But when you read the Isaiah prophecy, which clearly was a prophecy about the future Messiah. Yet as you read it, it starts talking about this child that's going to be born. And before this child knows the difference between good and evil, before the child you know, is weaned and, and eating solid food, these two kings are going to be removed from their position of power. So there's a, a near fulfillment, and then there's a distant fulfillment. And, and you have this in Ezekiel a lot because, of course, they're going to come back from the Babylonian captivity. But we know, for one thing, that all Israel did not come back from the Babylonian captivity because only Judah went into the Babylonian captivity. The other 10 nations had already been carried into captivity by the Assyrians and were assimilated and never really had the kind of return to the land like the Judeans did. So the Judeans came back into the land, but none of the rest of them did. But here, notice the prophecy, it's referring to all Israel. So all the tribes are going to end up coming back. So this is where we see that there's a, a future uh, a distant thing that's being spoken of here as well as the more 
a near fulfillment that will happen at the end of the 70 years of captivity in Babylon. So that's just something that we have to recognize is a, it's a feature of Old Testament prophecy, the near and the far. November, Back to Basics Radio is offering a timely resource titled One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. Has a skeptic in your life ever stumped you with questions regarding God, social ethics, or supposed contradictions in the Bible? Well, with this book, One Minute Answers to Skeptics, concise responses to the top 50 objections and questions by Charlie Campbell, you can be equipped to address the questions of skeptics on those exact topics and many others. If you want to be equipped to always be ready to give a defense of the faith, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ezekiel. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.